Welcome back to Success Clinic, coming to you from the recording studio of the Jacobs School of Medicine and Biomedical Sciences in Buffalo, New York. Special thanks to Dr. Stuart Ingalls for offering us this space. You are about to listen to another powerful and inspiring motivational episode of Debriefing with the Dope Doctor. And uh, I want to say thank you for making it a date with us. I remain yours, Daniel Oluwagumuleke-Bobola. As always, we have yet another trailblazer in the studio, and we cannot wait for you to meet him. You know, our guest is an exemplary community servant who has worked his way to the pinnacle of his calling, which, uh, according to him, is to empower humanity and promote equity. He is a native of the city of Buffalo in New York, where he was born and largely raised. He has dedicated his life to the service of humanity through a persistent and sacrificial engagement in activities, committees, and boards that are committed to facilitating the success of members of our community with a particular focus on, on, on the underrepresented populations and communities. He is committed to promoting equity and making life habitable for everyone, regardless of your identity, background, socioeconomic status, faith, or beliefs. One of his most remarkable community transforming projects is the African American Health Equity Task Force, which he co-established in 2015. The task force's objective is to eliminate race and ethnicity-based health disparities among African Americans in the city of Buffalo by addressing social determinants of health. The objective is executed through collaboration with numerous community partners, through conducting research to understand the existing issues, engaging in advocacy for the suppressed and underrepresented, and proposing strategies to address the issues. They also catalyze community engagement and empowerment and facilitate access to education and consultation services for members of the underserved communities. More on this task force can be found on their website at www.buffalohealthequity.org. Our guest co-wrote and co-designed a one-of-its-kind elective course titled Health in the Neighborhood for the Jacobs School of Medicine medical students um, and the curriculum. This ingenious elective course was strategically designed to bring medical students to underdeveloped, segregated, and technically forgotten neighborhoods to engage in enlightening and perspective-transforming conversations with the leaders and members of this community who host the medical students. In turn, the students experientially learn how best to serve such communities and acquire knowledge and familiarity with the life and culture of such communities. Our guest does all of this while also being the lead pastor and shepherd of the Liberty Mission Baptist Church. He is here today to empower and inspire us on how we how to vehemently pursue and attain the pinnacle of our God-given potential against all odds and to teach us some life lessons that can be super helpful on our path to success and impact. With no further ado, it is our distinguished honor to welcome to the Success Clinic studio, pastor and soon-to-be Dr. Pointer.
Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Daniel. It is certainly um, a gift. We always appreciate it. Just to start, do you mind introducing yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm the quintessential Buffalo boy. Um, I was born and largely raised right here in Buffalo, New York. Um, I don't come from um, a family, a wealthy family. I mean, my family has largely been working class. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I'm the grandson of four grandparents, none of whom graduated high school. As young as I can remember, I was really encouraged to do two things. One, get as much education as possible, mm -hmm. but guard yourself while you're getting it so that so that education actually became helpful and not a hindrance. There are so many successful people who did not go through formal education. Well, there's no question that there are two 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 ways to educate. Mm -hmm. um, there's the formal process of education that we um, we really lift up and laud. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we enrolled in school at the earliest ages. As a matter of fact, here, here in New York State. Um, a child must be enrolled in some kind of education mm. um, by the age of seven. Well, we know now that the human brain really needs to be molded as early as possible. That's correct. So we want really to give children the kind of educational foundation they will need um, in vitro. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so the smart parent is... Um, reading to their child in even, vitro. Even while the baby is still in the womb. That's right. They're playing music and audio recordings. That's correct. Right into the womb. And they're already conditioning that child yes. to uptake formal education. Mm. Well, my grandmother had very little education, but she said, you should spend your whole life learning. Mm. She said, get as much formal education as possible, but get it so that it is not a hindrance. Get the kind of education that you actually can use to advance yourself in the family that you're going to be responsible for. You can learn, she would say, you can learn yourself. You can read, you can apprentice, mm -hmm. you can watch. There are ways to learn that are not as formal as enrolling and matriculating. That's true. And she would say, get the kind of education that is helpful rather than a hindrance. And don't get so beside yourself that you look down on people who don't have what you have. That's because some people will not be able to do what you're able to do. And not only is it based on what we read and learn, but it's also based on what we observe and learn, what we ask specifically someone to teach us. You know, when I was in undergraduate school, I used to call my grandmother and say, listen, grandma, I was thinking, you know, I'd like to eat. And then I'd tell her what I want to eat. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, so um, what do I need to buy? And she would tell me and I would go to the local market and pick it up. And then walk to her house. And I remember the first time she said, okay, well, why don't you sit down and um, I'll, I'll go ahead and cook this. And I was like, no, Grandma. I, need, I want you to show me how to, how do, to do that. 
Um, and that's really what you need to do for yourself. Mm. Learn as much as possible. One of the things that I have done um, as often as possible is that if someone asks me to do something, then I tend to go and learn as much about that as possible informally um, so that I can have some level of competence mm. and some level of um, credibility and mm-hmm. what I know, and then to learn as much as possible on the way. So what do you currently do in terms of your career? Um, well, I'm a pastor, but I see my call as to the community. I think that the work you do, um, if it's the work that you were made to do, mm-hmm. you never work a day in your life. Yeah. You just simply go about doing the work that was divinely assigned to you. Mm. And that is a joy. And when it's a joy, it can't can't be work. Mm. Um, Although, um, uh, let me be clear, it's important that people are remunerated for the work that they do so that they can continue to do the work they do. Mm -hmm. So um, I understand, um, and we live in capitalism. So in capitalism, you need dollars in order to function. So it's important for us to pay people. And then, of course, the scripture tells us that um, he that doesn't work doesn't eat. Mm -hmm. So what what God is telling us is that when a person works, Mm. we ought to pay them so they can can eat. eat. That's correct. And when we're talking about eating, we're not just talking about food. We're talking about all of the things that happen so that you can eat. Because food isn't prepared on the on the pavement of the street. It's prepared generally in a home. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is ensure that every person who works also has a place to live. Mm-hmm. And that the place that they live in is not killing them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got work to do because people should have at least the bare minimum. And my grandmother used to say it all the time. And when I was a teenage boy, it drove me crazy because she also tried to do it. She used to say everyone should at least be able to eat. And so in my grandmother's mind, if you came to the house anywhere near the meal time, mm-hmm. she invited you to stay. To stay. As a teenager, I was like, well, she just let them go. Because I need to eat and Enough. then again, you know. Um, so, But as, as an adult now, I fully understand what grandma was doing and why. Mm. We've made it so that profit is more important than people. So my whole work is railing against that, doing as much as possible to eliminate that. To 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 create a different societal paradigm. I've known you for a couple of years. I haven't seen you on the pulpit, mm-hmm. but I've seen you demonstrate every single virtue of responsibility, mentorship, being a pastor, being a shepherd, being a guardian in so many on so many platforms in the community. For many of us on this campus and in the community, that is a level of success. Success is not how much money you have. No. It's how much life you've impacted. That matters. And it's how you live day to day. Um, I'm the Lord's servant. So recognizing that I'm the servant of the Most High God, there's no reason 
for me to be selfish with me. And because who I am is directly related to who I serve, Mm -hmm. then it's easy for me to serve any person that I meet. And I'd like when we see people in trouble Mm -hmm. that we would look at each other and without saying anything, we would just go to their rescue. Yeah. That's what I would like. Because listen, that's when we function as the human beings we were intended to function as. And that's when we would honor not just the humanity of every person that we meet, but the incredible gift that all of us have been giving and that we live, move, and have our being. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Success Clinic, where our mandate is to empower you as you journey to the pinnacle of your God-given potentials. As a reminder, we have a ton of resources strategically planned and designed to facilitate your success. These resources include podcast episodes where we have exclusive interviews with the heroes of your communities who have successfully navigated the journey to greatness that you and I are aspiring for. We also have inspirational nuggets, activities, and exercises that we release almost daily, primarily on our social media platforms to consistently remind you and remain that voice of positive reinforcement and support that you need to stay focused on your your positive journey to success, especially when things are not going as planned. At Success Clinic, we also provide information about mentorship and scholarship opportunities for both local and international students and aspiring professionals. Furthermore, we provide free professional attires in our Pond to Shine uh, room that is sponsored by our suit drive and a whole lot more. For more details about all of this, please visit our website today at www.success-clinic.com. Now, our social media platforms including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Come hang out with us and join this unstoppable movement of ordinary people discovering and transforming into the extraordinary version of ourselves as we journey hand in hand together to the pinnacle of our God-given potentials. I remain yours, the Dope Doctor. In that line of thought, the next question is to ask you what, and of course we know that you are a servant of God, you're you're doing the Lord's work, but there's so many people who are called. There are so many pastors who do not go in this direction. So there's one thing for you to be a pastor, a shepherd in your church. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another thing to have the passion for community service and that is why pastors have several channels through which they they direct their passion their calling you have chosen service of the community if you would say besides being just a pastor a shepherd Mm -hmm. or being called by god are, are there any personal experiences that initiated your passion for reaching out to the community and being uh, an instrument of change and to this level of significance uh, in the community. 
Well, I, I grew up um, as a as a boy preacher um, in Calvary Baptist Church right here in Buffalo um, with a really dynamic pastor by the name of um, Reverend Dr. L.T. Boyce. He was my mentor and teacher. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, when I went to Canisius, um, he, he said, I'm going to need you to report to the parsonage. But every day I would go to the parsonage and he would have a pile of books sitting on the dining room table. Mm -hmm. And he would have a, a written catechism. So my task was to go through the books and then to answer the questions in the catechism. Without me knowing, pastor was actually pouring into me his seminary education. Mm. I was in undergraduate school and simultaneously getting this informal seminary education. And I look now and I am so grateful to him for thinking enough of me that he would take the time to prepare a lesson for me every day. Mm. And then he gave me access to his entire library. I couldn't buy the books that he had amassed in in four decades of preaching. Mm. While I was in my junior year, I started to then build my own library and to actually model it after his library. So just to summarize, you had a pastor who you saw and you wanted to be like. Absolutely. And then he took me with him. Whenever he went to visit the sick, as a matter of fact, I was proud to drive him. And I saw on more than one occasion that he wept. I am greatly pained by the pain that we see in our community. Um, a, a few things, you know. 2022 was particularly difficult in this community. Um, largely because of what happened um, at Tops on Jefferson Avenue. The Christmas Eve blizzard. We're still counting bodies. And that's hard. That's difficult. And then a week later, we, we, we experienced this house fire that took away five babies. And then DeMar Hamlin collapses on the field. He dies. And everyone saw it with their own eyes. And even people who had never prayed right. learned to pray in that moment. Mm. And what God was saying to us, I believe, he wants us to be together. Mm. He wants us to care for each other. Mm. He wants us to be concerned for each other. Not just when we watch Damar Hamlin, but every day. As you mentioned, your pastor was a mentor to you who mm -hmm. showed you the way. Yes. But as you may understand, the there is a huge proportion of individuals out there that may be dreaming of being, for example, a pastor or a social mm -hmm. or a community activist or a community influencer, but do not have the benefit of having someone like your pastor who's going to pull them through the journey. What would be your 
advice to our audience? Well, um, the first thing is find someone um, and attach yourself to them. Just find someone who you believe is worthy of learning from, of following. Attach yourself to that person and and go for the ride. Um, and whatever you do, keep moving. Don't allow the fact that life happens to stop you, mm. to pause you, to haunt you. Keep moving. By all means, keep moving. Um, one of the things that happened during the blizzard was um, power failed in the house. The wind was still blowing at 70, 80 miles an hour. And so I just came to a reasonable conclusion that we're not going to stay here and they're not going to get to restoring power anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And this house is not going to sustain life. Yes. So we need to get out. So packed the bag and headed out and got into the driveway and looked at the vehicle, my car, couldn't drive it because the snow drifts were five and six feet. That's true. And then as I started to walk, I couldn't walk with my normal gait and had to learn how to walk all over again. So I literally walked six inches at a time. And that was as far as I could six move. Six inches. Six inches at a time. So I was only going a block and a half. It took nearly three hours to walk a block and a half. Wow. But if I had stopped, they would have found me in a pile of snow because it was still snowing. Mm. And the wind was blowing the snow off the roofs mm. of the houses. Mm. So if I stopped, I would have been buried in snow. Mm. So you, it's, And I say that to say that in every place in our life, the most important thing we can do mm -hmm. is keep moving. Mm. Don't allow circumstance. Mm -hmm. To keep you bogged down. Mm. Keep moving. Because if you keep moving, even the worst circumstance can be walked out of. Powerful. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep going. Don't stop. Whatever your dream is, don't allow anyone to tell you you can't do that. Because mm. they don't know what you can do. Of course. The truth of the matter is, is we don't know what we can do. But if we keep <laughs> moving... We can find out uh, what we are capable of. That's true. So don't let anybody tell you you mm, can't. Mm. As a matter of fact, my grandma, my grandfather used to say to me when I say, when he would say do something and I would say can't, he would say, boy, please. Yes, you can. Move. Keep moving. And mm. I found out if I moved, if I actually went, I could actually not only go, but do. So keep moving, keep your mind centered on what your goal is. And then every so often, reassess, replan how you're going to arrive there. Because sometimes you need to detour. Sometimes there's construction ahead. That doesn't mean you don't still need to go where you need to go. So you have to get off and go around that and pick up your journey on the other side. But you can't do that if you don't keep moving. These are treasures. When you're going to a destination and there's construction, do you stop and just wait? You can. You can. You'll be there for a month. So detours are part of the process. They come to territory. And it, that's exactly what you have just described. Yeah. 
Keep moving. Don't worry keep, about keep moving. that. Don't stop. There's going to be some stuff. Some of it is going to be natural, mm-hmm. but most of it is going to be contrived by other people. And they aren't necessarily targeting you, Mm-mm. but they are impacting you. And so you can't allow yourself to get bogged down because you still have a place that you want to go. They're not targeting you, but they are impacting you. Yeah. Yeah. That's most of the case. Most of the time, they don't even know you. (laughs) So they don't have enough knowledge to target you. That's true. But the thing they do impacts you. It's it's aggravating. Mm. It's a hindrance. Mm. It'll keep you from doing what you need to do. And in some instances, it'll block you. So you have to go around it. But you can't do any of those if you stop. Yes. If you stand still. So you don't always have to fight just because you're in a fight. You don't always have to fight because you're in a fight. Sometimes just being present is enough to cause your opponent to say, you know what? Never mind. But again, you got to keep moving. You can't show up if you don't move. That's treasure. What does it mean to you to be black? It means that I have incredible gifts that have been handed down to me. I was born with them. I have fortitude and stamina. I don't have to do anything. It's ingrained. It's in my DNA. I've got these incredible forebears who knew I would be here even when I didn't. And I have an opportunity to do the same. Remember, when you're in a Black family and you're being nurtured, there are certain structural defects in our society that you prepare your children for. I have all of those virtues gifted to me by my family. And what an incredible gift that is, that no matter what else is going on in the world, that I have this stamina, Mm. this fortitude, this power of intellect, this ability, this strength of, of body, of purpose and of character, Mm. all given to me, not anything that I had to earn, but was taught to me by what I saw my family do. In Black families, we learn these behaviors even without someone saying, sit down, I want to teach you something. Being Black, to me, is being in this family that teaches you, that educates you, that fortifies you um, without saying the formal thing, let me teach you something. And they just do that. In the same way that I was, you know, taught without saying this is a class, you know, I've been able to do that. My granddaughter the other day um, wanted something airdropped from my phone. So... Um, she pulled up her phone and I said, well, show me, send me, you know, the request for the airdrops. So that way I can send it right back to you. So she opened her phone up. I'm sitting next to her. She opened her phone up and she went to where she has me saved in her phone. And Daniel, I, you know, I sat there and I wept, um, Because she had me saved in her phone as King Granddad. I was like, 
Uh, I was like flabbergasted. Uh, I just, I mean, I had no idea. But then she, she, I said, why you have me saved in your phone that way? She said, because that's what we call you. I was like, who is we? She said, all of us. I said, okay, name names. <laughs> and she started naming all of her cousins. And so I discovered from her that they all have me saved in their phone that way. Uh. And... What a, what a tremendous gift it is to discover how the young people around you mm. see you. Mm. And what a responsibility it is to then, knowing that, live up to it. Mm. And so that's what being Black is for me. It's about knowing where I come from knowing who I am based on those incredible people that got me here, that nurtured me, that loved me, that tolerated me, because, I mean, I was a handful. And then to give that to the ones that I love. Because as parents, we are responsible for them. And then as I tell my children, I never have to tell your kids no. I told you no enough. It's your job <laughs> to tell them no. So whatever they ask me for, my answer is, sure, we can do that. <laughs> so if you don't want them to have it. You tell them yourself. <laughs> you tell them. But if they ask me, the answer is yes. That That is powerful. A lot of people spend the see themselves as black, they see themselves as defeated, as beating, as outcast in the community, see themselves as they are meant to struggle, that this world has forgotten them. Many of us in the black community see ourselves as broken, powerless. And that is one of the rhetorics that this show wants to transform. There's a saying that is the way you introduce your plate to people that determines how much value they see in that plate. Yeah. And they, they use plate as just an abstract thing, but mm. it is the way you introduce your possessions, your valuables to people mm -hmm. that determines how much value and respect they give to it. And black people have gone through an extensive history. You've seen the history. You've seen the discrimination. The fact that when we asked what being black means to you, your response was being black means I am strong. Mm -hmm. I am smarter. Means I have gone through experiences, but those experiences, even though they were painful, that has actually placed me on an advantage. And now... You seeing yourself as valuable, you seeing yourself as empowered by your experiences determines where you channel your energy. It does. It determines how much respect you command for yourself. Determines how much confidence you walk with, how high you raise your head, how, how, how much you feel and know that you belong to wherever you are. 
That is the new rhetoric that we are hoping to transmit to our community, our black community. Yeah. We, we have gone through all these challenges. It gives us an advantage that we will not know we have until we start to realize that actually being black means being powerful. Being black means, means being courageous. Being black means I'm resilient. I can go through so many challenges and be as resourceful than my peers. Well, yeah. Um, um, you have to define you. Mm. You can't afford to allow someone else to define you. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, they'll define you as much less than what you, what you are and who you are. So you have to, you have to forge your own definition and forge it knowing that is, is what you said it is. Mm. It's not what someone else said. And that, that in order for you to be here, that there were a bunch of incredible, incredible obstacles that were overcome. When we are black, we are always inquisitive. Mm -hmm. always learning but not only are we inquisitive and learning but we are capable that's true sir we can learn. we can we can we can learn we can do and to the chagrin of you know some mm. we do it well we do it well that's that's true bishop david oedipo early in his ministry he was god was speaking with them and God told him, how many eyes do you have? He said, two. He said, can you look at two directions at the same time? And he said, no. no. And he said, you cannot look at your problems and look at me at the same time. Right. You got to feast your eyes on me and forget the problem. I'll take care of the problem. <laughs> I'll take care of the problem. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the message that we have here today, which is that... We need to see ourselves as powerful. Oh, yeah. We need to see ourselves as courageous. We need to see the virtues that the challenges that our, our past challenges have instilled in us that has empowered us to overcome those challenges and have left us those, those values inside of us so that we can use it to overcome other challenges. So thank you for sharing that powerful definition of who we really are, who you are, who you see yourself as, uh, 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 or what you, what you see being black. Here at Success Clinic, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for making the date with us again today. I hope that you're having an amazing time and capturing the golden treasures contained in this episode. We know how valuable your time is and we truly appreciate it. We also want to send a shout out to those of you out there who have been engaging with us, sending us feedback on how these conversations have transformed your lives and how they have become a manual for your own journey to success. Thank you as well to all of you who have been providing commentaries and sharing the word and episodes with your friends, families, and communities. Your effort is a priceless gift to us. Your engagement makes our dreams come true by facilitating the exponential expansion of the impact that this podcast is having on our community. This way, you continue to inspire us to give our best to this cause. 
We are truly grateful and we look forward to even greater opportunities to serve you better. Eshe, Dalu, Nagode. Muchas gracias. Asante. Mercy. Thank you. Now, let's get back to the episode. You don't, you don't, you don't have to let anyone define you. You can define you. And it's so important to teach that to our children. Mm. That their possibilities is limited by what they're willing to try. Thank you for sharing that. Um, the next question we have is about mentorship. Mentorship is a very, it's a crucial component of growth. Yes, it is. What inspires me the most to mentor the upcoming generation? That I've largely done everything I wanted to do mm. as a youngster. And so, and I received incredible help everywhere. Mm. So I have a responsibility. Do the exact same thing. To give it back. Give as much help to as many as possible and make sure. And then to um, to stand as um, protector, not just guide, but as protector. I'm uh, writing my dissertation right now. And as I'm writing my dissertation, I realize I need to start writing the dedication. And, um, you know, my dedication might actually be a chapter. Because, I mean, there's just so many I owe. Uh, for what they did, often some knowingly mm. and others unknowingly. So you're inspired. You're inspired to be a mentor partly because of the, of the people who have been there for you. Oh, absolutely. And you feel that to whom much is given, much is required. Absolutely. There are people who saw me when I didn't see myself. Mm. And because they saw me mm. and because they paused me, mm. then I left them with a completely different perspective of myself. Mm. And that's what, that's the value of mentoring. Mentoring is not just about showing someone how to do something or, or encouraging someone. Mentoring is about valuing mm. another human being in a way that often they are incapable of valuing themselves because they don't, they just don't know. Mm. And so the minute you say, no, 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 you could do this or no, I, I see you as this. Then they can begin to understand their own possibility. Follow up questions in your capacity as a mentor to several mentees, uh, what have been the greatest mistakes that you've seen come on trend you would like to address for our audience? Well, well, the most common trend that young people have, and, and, and it's not their fault, it's not, a, it's not so much a mistake, it's just the product of being young. Mm. And it is just simply not understanding their own potential. So I see my role <clears throat> as saying to them, Nope. You actually can do this. Mm. As a matter of fact, you know what I said to you when you first got here, um, that you're not in medical school by accident, that you did a tremendous amount of work to get here, 
So in four years, I'll be at your graduation screaming just as loudly as your parents. <laughs> because I know you will be doctors. Yeah. And so yeah. sometimes you just have to project young people into their future. And you need to start helping them as early as possible see their future. Mm. And especially once they have chosen a path, yeah. you need to you validate them. Okay. Say to them, yep, I see you doing that. Okay. And then say to them, I see you as that. You're mm. that now. Just keep working. I see. And that goes back to, you know, saying this, keep moving. If, as long as you keep moving, you will arrive there. Okay. But, so, so that's the, that's where I really see where young people have their greatest weakness and it's not uh, it's not any fault of theirs it just simply comes with being young i see you don't know what you are capable of even as you embark on a thing you're still like feeling your way mm. you're still in some kind of darkness yeah but the more you move the more you come into the light and the more you see and then the more you know and once they know to say yeah the, the the way is paved yeah thank you for sharing that pastor pointer what are the challenges that you would like to share that people that want to follow your path can expect and the reason why we ask this question is part one of the objectives of this show is to let people understand that being like the role models you see around you is great but it doesn't come on the bed of roses and many people give up on their path to greatness because of those challenges they see, thinking that, oh, why am I going through this? I didn't know that it was this hard. I didn't know it was this challenging. But if they found someone previously who said, I went through it, and you're not alone, sometimes it empowers them to keep pushing. And that's why one of our goals is to have our guests share um, some of the challenges they experience that no one has known of. Your members see you as pastor, your grandkids really see you as a king, but they don't see those moments where you were broken just so that you can stand up tall to be who you are to them today. Are there some of those that you would, you're able to share just for people who are open to, to follow your footsteps to know that you know, they have to brace up. It's not impossible, but those are challenges that you have, hurdles you have to jump over. I think that for most of us, if we are, if we, you know, you have to become introspective. You have to be able to look at yourself honestly and to assess yourself. The biggest challenge that most of us face is the one that we see when we're brushing our teeth every morning. When we're in that mirror in the bathroom, we are our biggest challenge. So mastering self mm. is the biggest challenge you'll ever face. And then learning to be honest with you. Because the lies you tell yourself are true. So don't get in the habit of lying to yourself. Mm. Just start out by telling yourself the truth. And uh, and often that truth is going to be hard because then that means that there are some things that you've been doing you need to stop. 
You need to fix. And if you can master you, my mentor told me this when I was a boy preacher. He said, know yourself, control yourself. Mm. Because those are the things that you can manage. Often the outside things you don't have control over. Mm. But you ought to have control over you. And if you have control over you, then you also know what you can accomplish. But you first have to learn who you are. Mm -hmm. So you first got to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And then once you know who you are, you have to control yourself. And then knowing yourself, you got to tell yourself the whole truth. <laughs> Don't sugarcoat it. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. You got it. The last two questions. Number one is for our audience, aspiring young, talented individuals who are trying to embark on that journey to discover themselves or to make impact, what is your one single piece of advice? I gave it earlier. Decide where you're going and keep moving. Mm. Um, accept every bit of assistance. And even learn to accept resistance because resistance will inform you. It yes. will teach you. It will train you. Yes. And and that won't happen again. So don't worry about when something doesn't work exactly as you want it to. Make sure you get the lesson of it mm -hmm. and then hammer it. Mm -hmm. And the next time you meet that obstacle, you will be the master. Mm -hmm. So if you do that, if you do those things, if you first decide where you want to go and then head that direction, keep moving, um, master yourself, know what you're capable of and tell yourself daily, here's what I need to do today mm -hmm. and then do it. And then when you meet an obstacle and you don't triumph the way you want it to, learn. And then the next time, you'll have it. You'll have mastered it. Thank you so much. The last question for 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 this for the show for today is: Amidst all of this, what are the things you're most proud of? The things that have brought me here today um, are are deeply seated in the work that God gave me. Um, one of the reasons you all see me in 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 Jacobs is because I really grow weary of burying 50-somethings, people dying prematurely. And then when I started to look into it, I realized that as, as Black people, we're dying from a handful of entirely preventable diseases mm. and conditions. And I just realized that, look, the reason we die, the, well, the Bible says that God says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so I knew once I re understood that and recognized that, I decided that part of my work had to be to do health literacy education mm. and do it in a way that informs people that I serve so that they could be their better selves and pay better attention to their health. 
And to do that, then I would have to educate myself. And since I wasn't going to medical school, I needed to simply just go hang out with doctors. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's why I'm here. Because um, in hanging out with doctors, of course, um, then Dr. Passar, mm. Dr. Milling, Dr. Leslie, Pastor Lee, Dr. Henry Taylor, mm. we wrote the curriculum for Health in the Neighborhood. Yes. And um, and then went through a three-year process of getting that curriculum approved. And then, of course, we've been now teaching this course here in Jacobs for the last seven years. Um, and um, what we have been able to do, we, di we didn't set out to do this. We did not set out to create a class that could be determined to be anti-racist and mm. to be the basis for the revision of the Jacobs School curriculum to become entirely anti-racist. That's not what we set out to do. But here we are 10 years later, and that's exactly what God has done. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Giving glory to God is a good way for us to end this show today. Thank you so very much, Pastor Pointer, for being here, giving us your time, giving us such treasures in terms of knowledge. You. Pastor Pointer, thank you so much again. Thank you, audience, for listening to us. Thank you for taking time. Um, until the next episode, I remain your host, Daniel Popola, 